Thank you for taking time to listen to our service. We're happy you've joined us today. Visit NBCOcala.com to find out more about who we are as a ministry or get information about upcoming events. There you can also discover all the convenient ways to partner with us financially. Thanks again for joining us. Enjoy the service. Amen. Help me welcome our internet audience if you would. Welcome family. God bless you. Peace to your house. You may be seated. You may be seated. Hey, listen, uh, two weeks from today, um, we're, we've been sharing with you about vision. Two weeks from today, we're going to have a special offering. We rarely ever do that, um, but we're going to have a special vision offering. I would encourage you to get versed in the vision. We have numerous ways to do that. Go online. We have some printed materials as well. And this is all that we're asking you to do. There are no pledge cards. There are no special meetings. We're just, we've got some big things ahead of us that we believe God is calling us to do. And just as people without vision, people perish, without people, a vision perishes, we're just asking all of you to simply do this. Ask the Lord, I humbly ask you, I boldly ask you, ask the Lord, what are you to do? What is your part to play in that? And I believe that as all of us would seek the Lord in that way, it's just like your own body. How many of you like all your body parts to show up and to work, okay? Jesus wants all of his body to be involved in this. You don't have to do another person's part. You just have to simply find, Lord, what would you have me do? And I believe he'll put it on your heart. Realize that even what we give him came from him. And then you can never outgive God. And so there's no lose in this. And I, I just, I'm very excited to see what the Lord will do. And again, that's two weeks from today. So if you'll prepare your heart, prepare an offering for that. I uh, appreciate that. Amen. Well, uh, how many of you were glad about Daylight Savings Time? Yeah. Uh, I got up this morning and uh, I slept upstairs because I went to bed early last night. So I got up this morning and I just prayed that my phone was right, you know, because we're trusting that. And then I went downstairs and I'm checking clocks and they all said the same thing. And I think now Alicia either really did a good job on this or it's all messed up, you know. So, and I didn't want to wake her because it was really early. So no joke. This is no joke. I actually went outside and looked in my car <laughs> to see. And everything did, everything did work. I hope you used your hour well, your extra hour well. No one's fessing up on that. Well, I want to show you a couple of things about how you can handle this better in the future, daylight savings time. If you have a smartphone, you just leave it alone and it does it with magic. If you have a sundial, move one house to the right. That will do it. Any kind of cooker or anything like that, you'll need a master's in electronic engineering or a hammer. And then lastly, your car clock, it's just not worth it. Just, just wait, wait six months, okay? And that, that'll work. I... I am happy to announce something that's happened this next week, though, and it is this. Remember to set your scale back 10 pounds um, this week, okay? So do that. Do you know what I just, just did? Spoonful of sugar helps the medicine to go down. And uh, we want to talk this morning um, about some very important things in light of uh, Scripture. And I want to share with you some perspective on the upcoming election. So to start out with, let's turn to um, First Politics, chapter 2, <laughs> verse, no, actually Second Timothy, Second Timothy, chapter 4, the first four verses, 
Paul tells young Timothy, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead, his appearing and his kingdom. Watch this. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears. They will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. So I want to make it real clear from the start, my charge, my mandate is to preach God's word. I'm not called to be political. I'm called to preach God's word. The purpose of preaching God's word is is a couple of things. It's to instruct us and to equip us for eternal life. And that it is also to show us how temporal life works. And this temporal, this temporary life that we live is impacted to some degree by politics. And so in that light, we're going to look at a few of these things. I'm going to stay very close to my notes today because I have a lot to cover and I want to stay on point today. This is the most heated, confusing, strange, and divisive political campaign I've ever seen in my life. Plus, add to that the current culture. Here's how our current culture is informed. We're informed through sound bites. We're informed through a diluted, eroded form of journalism. We need to pray for reform in journalism. We're also informed through social media-induced opinion overload. Everybody feels free to share their opinion, you know, and uh, Facebook and beyond. And I want to say to everybody this morning, let's relax. Let's relax. Let's make room for one another and process this. Let's respect others. I'm fully aware that as we all gather here this morning over three services, everybody doesn't have the same view. We don't have the same values. We don't have the same viewpoint on this. And I respect that. And, um, and I welcome all this morning. But we must make room and please respect others. Please respect their views. This, con- this uh, campaign in election season has been so complex that it's kind of like this. You know, if you're in math class, I broke out in a sweat just saying that. And you're in math class, and there's a difficult equation. And do you remember those days a teacher would call a couple of you up to the chalkboard to work out the equation and then show your work and everything? And it's almost like we're coming up with several different answers, but the equation is so complex that the teacher says, how did you come up with that? And then you tell them, they go, well, I can kind of see how you came up with that or how you ended up fully confused. So that's one of the reasons also that we need to allow some space for each other as we process this, and hopefully I can share some light with you from God's word this morning on this. Let me say that I am not a political analyst. I'm a preacher of righteousness. I'm a shepherd of God's sheep, and uh, my role would be different um, than if, if this was just a focus on, on politics. So that's who you're going to hear from this morning is, is a pastor. That's what I am, and I'm, I'm not going to try to be anything other than that. So that's who you will hear from today. And a shepherd, pastor, loves the sheep. And so if I hadn't told you lately, I love you. Love you a lot. And so we're going to have a good time this morning, though. Let's avoid the confusion and division that we see nationally. 
Let's make sure that we don't allow those things into our hearts. And uh, let's ready ourselves today to um, receive, I believe, some things from God's word this morning. First of all, the primary message of the New Testament, the primary message of the New Testament is salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. That's the highest truth, that is the highest answer for any of us, is salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. The secondary message of the New Testament has to do with how we should live. How do we live this life? How do we treat one another? And also, how do we find our values and our worldview? And this would be very, very important for us as well. So the primary message, salvation, everybody say salvation, stay with me. Salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Secondary message then is how do we live this life? How do we live this? How do we treat one another? Um, What do we do with our values? How do we view the things that are happening around us in, in the world? And the scripture does give us light on this. Our laws and our leaders, view this. Our laws and our leaders have significant influence on the moral uh, environment that we live in, whether for good or for bad. Laws and leaders will either restrain or they will encourage what we would consider good or evil. And the underlying um, factor and the underlying issue actually is spiritual. Everybody say spiritual. And we've got to remember that. We, we think it's this and it's that, but underlying all of it is the ongoing and timeless battle of man's way versus God's way. And what I hope to do today is to just to help us to look back again and see things again in the light of God's word. So you've got God's way versus really any other way. Look with me in Isaiah chapter 5 verse 20. It says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Now, the woe is a warning here, a strong warning, and it is not just that you would get those things mixed up, but it is also those who call it out, those who put it or present it for others. And so there's, there's a huge warning here um, regarding our laws and our leaders that things are put in the right way. Then we read in Proverbs 29, verse 2, when the godly are in authority, the people rejoice, but when the wicked are in power, they groan. Today will not be about my opinions, but I do have some. (laughs) I have some strong ones, and I am restraining myself, and I slipped twice during first service, so... Do not listen to that recording. But um, now I have one place I will purposely interject my, my opinion on something here this morning. I'm, it's not about my opinions. I'm not going to discuss candidates this morning. I'm not going to endorse anybody today. I'm not going to disparage anybody today. We're just going to look at some, some things that have been presented. And again, we're going to look at God's word. So what I mainly want to do is I want to encourage you to pray. I want to encourage you to research. And can I caution you? Can I caution you? Be careful where you get your information from. Be careful where you... If you're getting the bulk of your information from Facebook... (laughs) I'm holding back my opinions. Um, Be careful. And some people, well, if it's on TV or if it's on the Internet, it's true. 
No, it's not. You're dehydrated, okay? <laughs> and so I want to encourage you, first of all, to vote. Second of all, I want you to research. We can help you some with that on our website. We have some election uh, resources there you can go to. And there are other credible things. If you'll take the time, you can go online. There's some credible sites that you can see how things are presented clearly, not with any kind of bias, just clearly put out there. I would encourage you to take the time to do that. Um, Encourage you to pray, encourage you to research, and then finally encourage you to vote. Did you know that in Jesus' day there were partisan politics? There were the Pharisees, and there were the Sadducees. There were the Pharisees were equivalent of the Republicans, and the Sadducees would be the equivalent of the Democrats. Um, the, the Pharisees, they were conservative. They were, uh, in Jesus' day, overboard religious. Uh, I don't want to characterize all Republicans as overboard religious, but I have to characterize some of them certainly as that. And then Democrats, they were liberal. They were very social-minded, and they had no room for any supernatural. They denied that there was a resurrection. And so both of these were in Jesus' day, and guess which one Jesus was? Neither. And he, he said that both of them were out of sync. He said, you're of the world And he rebuked both of them um, often. So two big things we want to do this morning. First of all is this. Value your vote. Read that with me. Value your vote. You have to decide who is worthy of your vote. You need to truly value this vote. Who is worthy of me giving my vote to? Your ballot, your vote is like a seed. And that seed contains your values And it contains your hopes. And you need to handle that and steward that properly. Realize that seed is worthless unless and until it is cast or planted. And the same is true of your vote. It does nothing unless and until you cast your vote. So that's why each vote, just like a seed, must be sown or cast prayerfully and carefully. I know it. Everybody, ready? Ah! (laughs) Thank you, you're a leader. Here's the deal. Look at me for this. You should vote. I've had far too many people, and and I've said this to them in person. No, please do vote. No, I can't vote. No, you need to vote. You should vote. Listen to me. It is a sacred right. It is a very expensive price pricey privilege it is also a responsibility and it matters it does matter listen to this in matthew 25 jesus teaching the parable of the talents and there was one he came back the lord in that parable came back and said what did you do with the one talent that i gave you and that individual said i wrapped it in a napkin and i buried it in essence said i did nothing with it and proceeded to make a bunch of excuses Let me tell you that when you've been given something and you have been given a right to vote, are you hearing me? You have been given that and for you to do nothing with it and to make excuses. Do you know what Jesus said to the the person who did nothing with it and made excuses? He called them wicked and lazy. Now, if you're mad, don't get mad at me, okay? Jesus said that, okay? 
But well, you've been given this precious right to vote, and you need to do something with it and not make excuses. John Quincy Adams says, duty is ours, results are God's. Get this, in the last election, the last presidential election, it's estimated that there were 66 million evangelical Christians. In that election, only 20 million of the 66 million voted. That means that two-thirds, it means that 46 million people who share common values did not vote. The past six presidents elected have been elected by less than 10 million votes. And so when we who value our vote, and I'll tell you what we'll go in a moment, we're going to vote our values, that when you do that, when you forfeit that right by not voting, you allow people with other values, which they're entitled to, but you allow other peoples to, to select who would serve in such important offices. And that's why I say we need to vote. Can I get an amen on this? Here's the thing that I hear, though. But I don't like either candidate. I'm just holding back my opinion. That's all right now. People say, I don't like either candidate. Here's the way it works. In the primaries, you pick your favorite. In the general election, you pick one from two. And so we at least get to pick. Read Kings, read Chronicles. They had bad, they had even evil rulers, and they had no choice, no pick in it at all. Plus, and this is very important, make sure that we do not forget or ignore what are called the down-ballot elections. Not just the presidential election, but the down-ballot elections. State and local elections are extremely important, super important. And I'll tell you why. Because of the ever-encroaching movement of the federal government into state and localities. You have to be strong in your state. You have to be strong in your localities because the federal government continues to encroach on those ways. So this is very important that we vote right and that we, uh, in the down-ballot elections. Plus, in the United States Senate, there are 34 seats up for grabs. And the, and the result of that will, will actually determine the balance of power on Capitol Hill. So get informed. Everybody say, get informed. Pray. And then prayerfully and carefully vote. And when you go into the voting booth, and I know it's not so much a booth for us anymore. It's like a high TV tray. Um, Alicia and I went yesterday, and we prayed. We researched. We talked about it. I researched some more. We prayed. And then we went and we voted. And I want to tell you something. And I made a moment of it. I pray that you will too. We prayed before we went in there and then prayed for discernment. I'd researched and then I got in there and I was first of all very mindful in that little bitty space there of my right and privilege to vote. Aware of what my values were. I asked God for discernment and then I voted and I, I cast my vote. I cast my seed representing my hopes and representing my values. And that's an important moment, and I call all of you to please steward that and steward that well. Make sure that you value your vote. Amen. Secondly would be vote your values. Say that with me. Vote your values. My hope, my labor from week to week to week to week is to help you to see and hopefully embrace what we call a biblical worldview. 
Not a Christian worldview. There's too many flavors and varieties. A biblical worldview. What does God say? What is God's heart? How does God see any issue that we would, that we would look at in life? A biblical worldview. I want to encourage you to vote your values. And my hope is for you, my prayer is for you, that your values are formed through a biblical worldview. And I want to tell you, that's what makes life work is seeing the creator and the redeemer and how he says things works to work and live things in the way that, that God, who's not only creator and savior, he also one day will be judge. And so we want to make sure that we're living in such a way that God has designed things to work. If you're with me on that, just bob your head or do something here this morning. So that is my hope for you. So vote your values, not polls. Could I encourage you over the next few days, ignore the polls. Ignore the polls. Not signs. I actually had a lady tell me last election, she goes, this is what I do. I stop and get a coffee. And then on my way to the voting place, I look at signs, and then the last signs I see, that's who I vote for. I say she should not be allowed coffee. So don't vote on polls or signs or looks or personality or race or gender or anything else. And sometimes realize that one speech is not going to sum it up for you. You have to realize that sometimes candidates will say things according to who their audience is. you got to realize that. We even watched this last week where uh, I observed one candidate say one thing at one setting and something a little different at another setting, and then one of them even changed their accent depending on who their crowd was. And so what you want to do is over the long haul be, be, be able to see and hear really what that candidate is about. Compare your values with their positions, with their record, and with their platforms. And if both candidates, especially in the presidential uh, election, if both candidates do not represent your values exactly, then do your best to decide who most closely uh, holds your values or who most likely would be favorable toward your values. Also, check out the party platforms. I have done that, and I've printed them out. I've, I've been reading some of them and comparing things. We have the 2016 Democratic Party platform, and it's like 50-something pages. And the Republican platform, 2016, it's about 60 pages. And they go through, and listen, this is not talking about a candidate. Please hear me on this. So whether you're registered or, or which, whichever way, just hear me on this. And I am going to interject a little bit of opinion based on my biblical worldview, okay? So you can compare these and see where they stand on some major issues. Let me say of the Republican platform and comparative and reading some commentary, some noted commentary over the last several times that their platform has been, has been written. It's a su- substantial work for both parties here that this is probably the strongest and closest to a biblical worldview that I think has been presented in a long, 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 long time. However, let me say, and listen, I'm not talking about any candidate here. I'm talking about a platform. I just have to say regarding the Democratic platform, wow. Just wow. And there's some slick labeling in there. One in particular, reproductive rights or women's health, which are a slick way to cover up abortion. 
And when we look at things through a biblical worldview and to be more uh, encouraging and allowing for even more and more ground to be lost regarding abortion, I just have to say that I'm a little bit in shock. And you need to be careful that you read and compare. These are out there for everybody to read and compare and then put it in the light of a biblical worldview. Take the labels off. I'm not, I'm not about labels here. I'm just about truth and a biblical worldview about what works and makes life work and what is pleasing to God. Amen. And let me say also a whole lot of what It's not called this, but it's socialism. And I'm concerned that a lot of our younger generation has no idea what socialism is. And thinks, well, this is going to be free, and that's going to be free, and that's going to be free. And then none of us are going to be free. I read this recently, and just real quick. What is is socialism? What is a socialist? It's a communist without a gun. And so be very, very careful. That's why I'm saying, please... Do your research. Here's some questions. Who unites around a candidate? Who, you, who unites around a candidate and what are their values? Another question. Who is most likely to uphold a standard of righteousness? And this to me is very important. And who will be friendly toward faith? And you can even find that in platforms as well. Very important. And let me get your full attention on this. A president will be gone. Whoever gets elected, they will be gone in four years, maybe eight years. But any judges or justices that he or she appoints will be there for decades and will have a greater influence potentially and greater impact than any president. The next president will most likely, it is agreed on all circles, will most likely appoint three if not four Supreme Court justices. This will impact the balance of the court for the next 20 or 30 years. This is a critical issue. I got grandbabies, folks. Plus, the last three presidents each served two terms. Between all three of them, they appointed over 300 federal, district, and circuit court judges. So over 300 appointed judges are everywhere. So that leads us to something very important called judicial philosophy. Judicial philosophy. It has to do with our Constitution and how the Constitution is interpreted, which is the role especially of our Supreme Court. There are two philosophies. You can find them on your candidates' websites. You can find them on the party platforms. You can find out what their judicial philosophy is. First philosophy is what is called strict or fixed constructionist. The second is called living constructionist. Again, it has to do with the Constitution. A strict constructionist will follow the original intent of the Constitution meaning they will interpret what it meant when it was adopted. A living constructionist will rewrite or treat the Constitution as evolving. They will legislate from the bench and even overturn popular elections. There are bans, referendums, and and issues that have been decided by the will of the people. And then there have been courts to come back and overturn the will of the people. We saw it a year ago last June. And I'm not making this the issue right now, but when the high court ruled concerning same-sex marriage, five appointed individuals, five appointed individuals overruled the will of the electorate of 
90 million people, they overturned their votes and, and overcame, uh, overruled 30 states that had established certain things. That's called judicial overreach, and I don't care where you fall on any issue, that should scare you, that appointed people can override what we were even built upon, and that is the voice and the vote of the people. The candidates are very clear and very strong about which way that they go, and you would do well to to search this out. It's the highest hypocrisy and arrogance that some people who can say there are no absolutes then determine that they don't like something and overrule it and then make it an absolute for everybody else. I would caution you with that today. Make sure that you research, make sure that you pray and get discernment, make sure, make sure that you vote. Let me wrap this up in Proverbs 14 verse 34. It says, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Righteousness, it also translates right, exalts a nation. The question would be, what is right? Who is right? And that's not relative. And it's not a moving target. Let me say to you, God is right. And we need to return to him and to his views. And they're not lost. They're written down. It's the most published, best-selling book ever of all times. It's available to us everywhere. Return to God. Look back into his platform and find out what he says on things. That will exalt a nation, but sin is a reproach and literally brings ruin to any people. God is right. Not religion. Religion is trying and religion is messed up in so many ways. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about God and his ways and having a biblical worldview. Look in 2 Samuel chapter 22, verse 31. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him. So again, I would say research. Pray. Pray for discernment. And then prayerfully and carefully cast your vote. Faith is what matters. Hear this. Faith is what matters. That's confidence that God keeps his promises and nothing will thwart the plan of God. Bottom line is faith. When you wake up on Wednesday, when you wake up on Wednesday, God's mercies will be new. When you wake up on Wednesday, God will still be on the throne. When you wake up on Wednesday, the sun will still rise. It's a sign of his covenant. When you wake up on Wednesday, the Holy Spirit will still be present with you. And when you wake up on Wednesday, God's promises will still be sure. You just make sure that you are humble and you are kind And you return back to God. That's on Wednesday morning. Wait, wait, wait. That's on Wednesday morning. And then there's another morning that is coming. And on that morning, every, every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Meadowbrook Church. 
We hope you'll stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NBC Ocala.